Suzanne Pedersen in her ninth Solheim Cup with this to win the trophy. Welcome to the first episode of the Ninth Tee Podcast. Let's tee it up at the AIG Women's Open, where Royal Troon and the Postage Stamp are hosting the LPGA Tour for the first time in the 44th running of the Major. Joined by Ben Harpering, from behind the camera to in front of it now, Ben, how are you? I'm doing well, Kent. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, but I wish I, wish I was doing as well as Danielle Kang. When? win one shot off a playoff that's that's looked pretty good as we're heading into the first major played since the aig women's british open last year yeah you know what if you're a golfer and i don't think there's anybody else i'd rather be right now like if i could be a golfer right now i would be danielle kang do you know why i'd want to be stacy lewis oh why because I'd be playing Shake It Off in my head while I was winning. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all and the Taylor winning. Swift. <laughs> Shout out to some T-Sweezy. Honestly, I know... I'm really impressed by her daughter, Chesney, two-year-old, Sense and Music. Man, what a great song to just bop your head to and dance around to. Yeah, I mean, uh, whatever it takes. I love hearing what is going through players' minds because it can like vary so much and to have to have like an upbeat song on a tough day, like it was that battle at the um at the Lady Scottish Open was just like kind of back and forth and it was really tough. The leaders were, were struggling somewhat. And I think that's all you could really do was just, you know, shake it off. Try to shake it off and move on. And she did it just better than anyone as it turned out. I'm really glad this podcast is turning into a discussion of Taylor Swift lyrics as I'm taking it now. But, you know, that song has has quite a bit of golf wrapped into it. It's got players going to play, play, play. Haters going to hate, hate, hate. I mean, there's a lot of self-hating <laughs> golf. It fits oh pretty well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, it does. You know, if you break it down. I think I've heard multiple people talk about Taylor Swift being on their playlist. So, you know, golfers that is, that is, so maybe that's why that's, there's like this, uh, you don't even realize it, but it's, it's speaking golf truth to you while you listen to it. So I appreciate you taking my off the reservation point and running with it. That's, that's a good teammate right there. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. I got you. Speaking of, uh, teammates there's no good bridge to actually talking about major golf this week there's going to be some weather that's hated it's mm. looking it's going to be heavy rain and thunderstorms on thursday at royal troon heavy showers and strong winds over the weekend what is as we're looking at skills necessary to take that on what kind of golf skills are players going to need to find success at Royal Trude in such difficult conditions at a link style course. I think first and foremost, you just got to mentally just accept it. Like know that the conditions are going to be bad and know that everyone's playing in the same conditions. 
and just enter that mindset like, hey, I might have a bogey. I might have double bogey. I might have multiple, but you got to try to just like kind of grind it out as much as you can. But as far as like actual skills of golf, it's like, I mean, things you think about in Lynx golf, being able to, uh, first of all, keep the ball in play. That's obviously it's going to be a big deal. We saw that last week at the Renaissance Club. It just like, if you're not in the fairway, things get difficult. And when you're in lots of playing in lots of rain, especially heavy rain, you're going to have to, you know, keep the ball, keep the ball in play. This is obviously that's kind of a, uh, normal at any any course you're playing, but I feel like it does come into a lot more play here because the rough can become like literally unplayable. We saw Jennifer Song last week uh, coming down the stretch in the back nine have a ball that she had she had to take it unplayable from. She found the ball, but she literally couldn't play it because the the rough was so heavy. So that stuff's going to come into play. Um, adjusting to the speeds of greens, I think they're going to be you know slower. Um, those are a few things. What about you? What do you think? Keeping the ball in play is a good rule of thumb in general. And those who hit the ball low is going to be really, really mm-hmm. important with such heavy winds. And, you know, with a link style course, it's wider. There's less trees to deal with. You can run it on the fairway pretty good. If you keep it in the fairway, that's going to be really important this week. And I know we were talking before we started, you had, you had six players in mind that you really wanted to watch this week. Who are they and why? Well, any list that right now, I think you got to start with Danielle Kang. Simply, whoa, be- whoa, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see this coming. No way. What Danielle? She's only won twice. She needed to win all three to be on this list. Uh, well, she came very close. <laughs> she did. She did. <laughs> coming from a player who said that she, what she said in her uh, pre-tournament uh, press conference last week that. You know, Lynx golf has not always been her favorite and it's not always treated her well. But through her work with Butch, uh, Butch Harmon, her swing coach, it's been like they've been working on getting her to kind of enjoy it more, basically. So, yeah, even this is on a, on a golf course, a style of golf that she doesn't necessarily you know, love per se. And she still was just one shot out of the playoff last week. Um, yeah, she's definitely up there on my list of players to watch at number one. All right, let's um, stop you right there because Danielle is chasing something that has not happened since 2014. She's trying to become the first American since Stacy Lewis to become the world's number one player. There's no way to project mm. that out because of how the ranking system works right now. What usually happens in a pre-COVID world is that every week the rankings get updated and your points move based on how you did that week. Or if you didn't play, it's another tournament that's aged out of the system. But with COVID right. currently, if you don't play, your ranking is frozen. So it's really hard to project what's going to happen week over week. You can't you can't say, oh, if Danielle King finishes in blank position this week, she'll become the world's number one player. However, right. that that pursuit is, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Ben, but it's kind of hard to, Jin Young Ko is currently the world's number one. She's been there since July of last year after winning at Evian. Since Jin Young doesn't have the opportunity 
or that's not fair to not say opportunity, but for safety and health reasons is not traveling outside of South Korea due to COVID-19, doesn't have the opportunity to play in events with as many points as Danielle does right now. So this is not exactly the fairest of fights for the world's number one position. Yes, this is true. I, I do think, though, it's very interesting because I think what what's the statistic here? Uh, Danielle has top fives in seven of her last eight starts. Is that correct? That is that is correct. Yes. So that so that goes into last year. You know, is there anybody else in women's golf playing better than Danielle in this? You know, like the last eight months or so, eight nine nine months or so. I mean, over her last eight starts, no. But the counterpoint would be, <laughs> Jin Young hasn't had an opportunity to make starts in her, the last three events. Well, the counterpoint to the counterpoint is that uh, the KOPGA Tour has been playing events. Um, I think they've had at least 10 or 11 events, and uh, she's only played in a few of them. She hasn't played in as many. You know, that's something that I think she's eligible for basically every tournament, but uh, she did not play for... I mean, there's different reasons, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I do get your point that the the ranking like there's just not as many world ranking points up for grabs there so if you were look i don't think she's looking at it just to freeze like that hold her spot at number one because it's the way it's set up right now like you said it's you can't gain or lose points if you're not playing i don't think she's just sitting out to hold that like number one spot but overall the while the points, like with the KLPGA being arguably most likely the second best tour, professional women's tour in the world, there are quite a few world ranking points up for up for grabs in those events. However, they are still quite a bit less. And as you know, the the major championships are where the big world ranking points come into play. So it it will be interesting to see kind of where all that falls. Yeah, it's hard on the KLPGA because wins out there get you, this is really going to the minutia of world rankings, 22 points, 23, and winning a, a strong field regular LPGA event gets you around 60, and winning a major gets you around 100. Not around, mm. it gets you 100, period. And that's where, <laughs> for example, Jin Young took off, winning two majors last year. Getting 100 points twice is massive for your average. Right, that that'll do it for you. So, you know, this the the field is still strong, still strong this week. It's not as strong as it could be. Definitely missing several players, um, notably the Korean players. You know, including Jin Young and Sung Hyun Park and Se Young Kim and So Young Yu, Jung Eun Lee Six, Say uh, Yeoju Kim, MJ Her, who won, who had success on link, uh, playing Lynx golf last year winning the Lady Scottish so you know it's it may not be as deep as a normal major but it's I'm not gonna like discredit it as like a whole lot it's it's still a big deal and it's still a really tough course and they're gonna be playing really tough conditions so I'm not gonna like take too much away no someone will have to go out and win this week and if Daniel takes the number one spot she will have certainly 
earned it. She's played fantastically. It's just that Jin Young has not had the opportunity to respond. Neither, as you mentioned, Sung Hyun Park at number three in the world, Se Young Kim, number six in the world, Hyoju Kim, number 10, Lee Six, 11, and MJ, I believe, is 19th. That's Yeah. You're missing some top 20 players in the world. It's It's unfortunate just for the game. You just enjoy watching top talent. Yeah, and you know what? That's something that I've always loved watching um, and kind of been paying attention to the last several years is that these major tournaments, um, especially the Women's British and the U.S. Women's Open, it seems like you you see some players such as last year's winner, Hinako Shibuno, win that are kind of, I'm putting air quotes up, unknown players on the tours that they play, whether it's JLPJ or KLPJ or possibly let but like a lot of people don't know them on like the the global stage and it seems it comes as kind of a shock or a surprise to me it's not really the case these are these are players that are just kind of deciding to for whatever reason to not play on the lpga and there's lots of good reasons to not but um and i think it's a little a little unfortunate too because there's several players i think would have had a good chance of winning this week um there's some players in the top 20 that i think like from the klpga he jung lim or hyung kyung park or he Jin Choi. i don't know if you remember in 2017 as an amateur she she had the lead or tied for the lead with three or four holes to go at the u.s women's open if it wasn't just for a bad a, a slightly off uh, bad tee shot that on a par three that went in the water like she's right there she might be we might have seen an amateur as a major champion, and she would have been if she's someone that, that gets into the major tournaments and always does pretty well. So, you know, that's kind of too bad about that situation too. But we're we, we're talking about what's what's going to happen this week, or what we think is going to happen with the players that are in the field. Well, you could use the so, past to forecast out, right? Like Jin Young Ko in twenty fifteen emerged on the scene because she was in contention heading into Sunday and late in Sunday competing with with a caddy that she hired from the course. You know, and that was the first time we saw her on the national stage. And look at her now, five years later, number one of the world. These players that we may not know in front of us emerge at majors and can become these top players in the world, like Kanako Shibuno might be able to one day if she elects to come to the LPGA at some point. Right. And and also Jung and Lee Sick last year at the US Women's Open, while she was an LPGA tour member, you know, there's there were still people I mean, even in the media talking like, oh, it's it's kind of surprising or they, they didn't weren't so sure about how she'd closed and it's like, man, look at her record in Korea, which is a very deep and talented uh, group of talent or of players there. And she won two KLPGA majors with like one of the one of those tournaments she had a final round sixty three, I believe. Like she she plays well when the pressure's on, so players that are kind of relatively unknown um they do make their emergencies in these big tournaments and it's kind of cool it's cool to see it is really enjoyable to see who's the next one on your list <laughs> so i gotta roll with stacy lewis just because i mean look she won last week playing in really difficult conditions saying like links links golf um while the emotions of of a win especially after, you know, this is her first win after becoming a mom and her first win since 2017. 
it's uh, like that can weigh on you. Like it can be difficult to back that up the next week, like play well two weeks in a row. However, in recent memory, we have Daniel Kang who had just went off back to back win. So we got to keep that in mind. And Stacy's been playing well. I mean, at the marathon, she was tie ninth. Um, so she, she's playing, she's playing well. She just won. So I have her there as a player to watch. Hard for me to really add anything after we talked about shake it off so much at the start of this thing, but <laughs> yeah. And, and to your point about playing well recently, you know, Kang finishing the shot behind last week, kept it going week over week. You, you kind of want to see someone, you know, play well into the following week to think they might have a chance because we're over in the United Kingdom. We're playing link style golf. Last week's going to, you know, the Lady Scottish is going to be a pretty good indicator of whether or not someone can take on Royal Troon and play well. Very true. So, and then I have two more players that I, I kind of put them a little bit together uh, Minji Lee and Lydia Ko. So I just like the consistent, consistency that they play at. I mean, Minji is like. Oh, she seems a couple putts away, but she is. I really do believe she'll be in contention come the weekend, just kind of the style of player that she is. And Lydia's been back in form. It's good to see her playing well, um, coming and especially coming off of you know a tough finish there at Marathon, but she bounced back and was right there in contention again on on Sunday, or going into Sunday, the final round of the Lady Scottish. So you know there are two more players I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on this week. That is an understatement to say tough for Lydia. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the understatement so far of this young podcast. <laughs> when, you, when you're up five shots with six holes to go, and it's, it's a different sort of pressure for Lydia because of the Hall of Fame chase. Mm. You know, every win really matters to her now because she put herself in a position to be one of the few who can chase the LPGA's Hall of Fame, which has inducted four players since the turn of the century by the point system. Like, that is so, so hard. And with Lydia having won 15 times, multiple majors, multiple awards, she's close. In order to qualify for the LPGA's Hall of Fame, you have to win a major or one of the two major awards, the Rolex Player of the Year Award or the Vare Trophy. The Vare Trophy is the lowest scoring average for a season. You also have to accumulate 27 Hall of Fame points, two points for a major win, and one point for winning one of the aforementioned season awards or winning a regular event. Lydia has 19 Hall of Fame points right now. She's won 15 times. Two of them are majors, so plus two for that. And in 2015, she won the Vare Trophy and was the Rolex Player of the Year. So two more points there. So she's two-thirds the way, roughly, to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you know what? It is almost impossible for me to imagine a Hall of Fame that doesn't include Lydia Ko. I mean, she's so young. But being the most, like, 15 wins already, the most accomplished teenage player ever, like, in golf period like it, it is interesting but she she's on her way but yeah you're right it does like when you get that close to a win you do want to finish it off no matter what no matter what no matter the circumstances obviously but you know i wonder how much how much those things do kind of come into mind when you're closing coming down the stretch 
that was that's definitely one that Lydia kicked away. But to your point, that showed a lot of mental fortitude to bounce back last week at Scotland. Yeah, and I think see to me, it, the people like I saw a lot like you know this is gonna stay with her for a while. It's gonna sting. It's it's gonna be tough to overcome. Do 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 these things. And to me, it's like if you if you know Lydia, it's there's very few people. I think is mentally tough as she has. And it, it's, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that have happened over the years. Um, but she's, she's battled through a, a, a lot of different things and a lot of different criticisms from a lot of different people. And, and she's still like, she's still putting herself in contention. And it, if you do that enough, like she's going to find that, I believe she'll find that winning formula again. Um, it may not be like four or five wins a year, but I, I definitely think that if there's anyone that can, you know, bounce back from that, it's her. Speaking of winning formula and staying in contention, Minji Lee had her worst finish at the Aberdeen Standards Investments Ladies Scottish Open last week in her career, four appearances at T16. <laughs> <laughs> she That's hasn't like, won wait. it yet, but she keeps throwing the dart at it, probably at some point. It was the first time she finished outside of the top 10. Her best result was second place in 2017. Um, and that, to your point, should translate this week at Royal True and being able to handle the Scottish weather. Yeah, for sure. I thought you were like setting me up like Ben. That's like a really bad pick. She just had her worst finish and it's like, oh, tie 16. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like she's still playing so good. She, I mean, she played really well. Um and okay so two more two more players that i'm keeping an eye on i know uh can't have like an endless list of players to watch but, wait wait wait! i thought you were gonna uh, go through 144 <laughs> i thought you were gonna pick everyone in the field that would guarantee a win <laughs> that would guarantee a win that would guarantee a win um well i gotta go with nb park just because you know she's a former champion and excuse me she's excuse me you need to address her correctly as Hall of Famer NB Park. Hall of Famer. We do not legend. disrespect Hall of Famers on this podcast. We did just talk about the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I got I got to give uh you know, keep an eye on Hall of Famer, living legend, NB Park. She's a former champion, and when you're playing in tough conditions, I think obviously like steady golf is key and is there really anyone like throughout her career throughout their their careers that has been as steady as envy she doesn't overpower golf courses but quite possibly like the greatest putter of all time um you know she's gonna that, that's something about Lynx golf and playing in the the women's open is that you're gonna have to say par make 10 12 footers to say par like that's going to happen many times and the winner is going to be someone who who holds those more more of those than anybody else and nb's like i don't think i would bet if i had uh my my life was on the line i need someone to make a putt i think i'm calling up nb that's a lot of pressure you know but that's a lot of pressure for you I mean, how invested is NB in this hypothetical scenario? But <laughs> that's that's true. Well, she she doesn't she doesn't know about it. She she doesn't know about it. She just has to make the putt. Just like 
that's always my favorite on those hypothetical scenarios where everyone's like, well, if I need X shot executed with my life on the line, like, right? how does someone come to the conclusion that we're going to watch a golf tournament to determine whether or not you live? <laughs> that's, what's the incentive? Um, that's so true. <laughs> but the other really interesting thing about NB, her last start was a W, which is not a bad thing, except it was back in February at the ISPS Honda Women's Australian Open. And NP is someone who generally coasts into the season. What She doesn't need to play that many events. She's pretty much just playing because she enjoys it. She's made the Hall of Fame. She's checked off every list a golfer would want to check off. And she's the defending gold medalist at the Olympics. And that is a big pressure point for her. Because the way the Olympics works, it's really, really hard to get into the field, particularly for South Koreans. For the now 2021 Olympics, and that's a whole other podcast if that's going to happen next year, hmm. the way players qualify is pretty much based entirely off the Rolex World Rankings. And if at a point about a couple months away from the start of the Olympics, they cut them off. And at that point, if you are top 15 in the world, your country can have up to four representatives. If you're outside of the top 15, it's two. So currently, there are four South Koreans set to participate in the Olympics. So it's yeah. currently Jin Young Ko, number one, Sung Hyun Park, number three, Seyoung Kim, number six, Hyoju Kim, number 10. And then Jung Lee, six at 11, and then Embi's at 12. So Embi has to hop two players. And the fact that she's in a major field is a massive advantage for her to, po to possibly do that. She plays well this week because of how many world ranking points are on the line. So to your point, this is a really big week for Enby because with COVID, we can't assume any tournament's going to happen. Right. So to have a major where 100 points are on the line, it's massive that she's there to make that start. Yeah, actually to that point, I believe she's the only player that traveled from South Korea to this event. And so, yo, know, there she's there's there's things on her mind, definitely. The wheels are turning there. And that's um that's a whole separate concern of all right, we are it's effectively encouraging players to play in majors to chase the Olympics during a yeah. pandemic. That's scary. Yeah, for sure. Oh, the pandemic, man, that's a whole, definitely like a whole other podcast right there. But um, that's a whole other podcast series, <laughs> not just an episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And one more point about, about NB is that, you know, that Olympics that she won, where she's the defending gold medalist, if I remember correctly, that was her first event in many months because she was she was rehabbing an injury, showed up at the Olympics, won, and then I believe she didn't play another LPGA Tour event after the Olympics because she was back to like rehabbing that injury. So like, she she just she knows how to get things done, and she like she just plays really well on big stages, and it it doesn't seem to bother her like coming off of long layoffs we'll see we'll see how she does this week that we will what's next on your list well the last player i gotta give a shout out to you know some some home, a hometown player per se hometown 
Georgia Hall. I, I like Georgia because she didn't have she didn't have the best final round last week uh, in Scotland at the Lady Scottish or at the Lady Scottish, but she does have a couple of wins um, in Europe during the uh, during the break for the LPGA. She got to, she played several events in the Rose Lady Series, where she won a couple of times and had at least one or two runner-ups as well. So she's playing some good golf there. She's a former champion. Um, I, I like to just keep an eye on her. Ben, you, you buried the lead. She won this tournament two years ago. <laughs> that's how she broke out of the scene as a rookie. Exactly. I got it. That's why. I was letting you, I was letting you uh, make that point. Thanks. I'll take it. <laughs> I've only got a couple to add. I, I'm really interested in Hannah Green. Hannah's become a different player since winning at the KPMG. Uh, she won in Portland in a style where she fought back against Yalimi No and basically show, showed some serious veteran fortitude and kept it steady down the stretch. That's an attribute you need to win a major, which she did with that incredible up and down on the 72nd hole to take home the KPMG last year. And she's finished in the top 16. I love these arbitrary stats. Top 16, four of her last five starts. So, you know what? That's, I feel like top 20 is kind of the cutoff where you're outside the top 20. Okay. It's good, but it's not, not a contention. You know, that's you're around on Sunday at that result. And to have those reps coming into a major and the confidence of, I've done this before, that really matters. And to your point about players who aren't on the radar, but who are really, 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 really good. (laughs) Throw in a couple more reallys if you want. Nasa Hateoka, three-time winner. Oh, yeah. Well, last one at Kia. She's top 15 in the world. It's going to represent Japan at the Olympics next year unless something catastrophic happens. And just the consistency of her game is really going to matter. And she came back. She made her return last week. Finished tied for 13th. Look at us, Ben. Look at us on the same wavelength. We want players playing well last week to play well this week. I I like where our heads are at. (laughs) Always. I don't know if always is true. I have... That's, that's let's that's let's true. not that's go true. that far. Um, <laughs> and in terms of maybe not winning, but a fascinating storyline has been the stalwart of the tour that is Lexi Thompson. Mm-hmm. She is one of the most consistent players. She's won seven consecutive seasons in a row, and she's been in the top ten in the world since November of 2013. That is. 352 calendar weeks when she tees it up this week. Wow. 352. 13 more weeks? That's how many days are in a year? (laughs) That is unreal. She's currently ninth in the world. And with so many points on the line, there's going to be more volatility in the rankings. So a missed cut is going to be a big concern for her opportunity to stay in the rankings. Again, it's impossible to project what she needs to do 
based on how the Rolex rankings are currently constructed. But it's it's worth keeping an eye on. She was not in Scotland this week. She was back home in Florida getting ready for the major. After playing in the first two events in Toledo, she finished tied for 16th at the LPGA Drive-On Championship, tied for 47th at the Marathon Classic. Making cuts, that's most important to maintain top 10, but it's going to really help her if she plays well to move back up the rankings to give herself a cushion once again. Yeah, because you know what I think is even more unbelievable or striking about that statistic? 352 consecutive weeks inside the top 10 in the world, but it's also ranked number two to number 10, never quite reaching that number one spot, which shows her unbelievable consistency and... But also just like, you know, it's it's well documented, well well known. Like she just had a couple of things that if they would have if things would have bounced her way, not to use like a golf pun, but it it could be different. She could definitely have a few more wins and have taken that number one spot. But she her game, like with her length off the tee, like her her, her she's a power player. She's just naturally gonna contend and win a cup uh, a tournament or two every year uh, during normal con- circumstances not during a year necessarily when more than half the tournaments get you know canceled but during normal circumstances like her game is just going to bring that like she's going to give herself a chance at almost every tournament so yeah definitely a player to watch and Brooke Henderson is a similar build in terms of being a power player. She's making her return to the tour this week. She's not played since the restart. It'll be fun to watch her go after it at Royal Troom. Brooke has talked about she wants to win twice a year. Mm. Who knows what her goal is this year with a short amount of tournaments, but she's accomplished that goal of winning twice a year every year since 2016. <laughs> so... It'd be nice to, you know, get off on the right foot, pull a Danielle Kang, win at the restart. Though I guess she could have pulled whoever won that tournament. <laughs> um, right. She's yet to win in the United Kingdom. Maybe put another feather in the cap for the winningest Canadian player of all time. Yeah, she's another player, though. Like, since we haven't seen her play, and because she's also not necessarily as active on social media as some other players. Like she's not posting videos of her swing every day or it's like, what is her game going to be like? Like, how is she going to play? I personally, I don't think like I expect her to play pretty well just because it's, it's Brooke. Like, like you said, that consists, it's another level of consistency, two wins a year, every year since 2016. Like that's, that's some high level golf. So I would not be surprised to see her play well but it'll be interesting to see nonetheless. You know, with Brooke, it's really hard to process saying the winningest Canadian player of all time. And she's the grand total of 22 years old. 22. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Ben, what like, were you doing at 22? Uh, I was getting ready to finish up my college degree. <laughs> I was, I was an auditor. I was not winning golf tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that really is is amazing. I don't know what sport it was. I was I was thinking about, but like, uh, or listening to a podcast or something. But like, some people just accomplish so much. Like they skip. They don't go to college. 
we we talked about three already right here. We've talked about well, actually four. You go to Minji or a lot of these top players actually. But if you're looking at Brooke, Lexi, and Lydia, three players they did not go to college, and they're all they're all under 25 years old. But they've all been on tour for yeah, <laughs> they've been on tour for what seems like as long as I can remember. It's it's a youth talent wave on the LPGA tour right now. Um, yeah. And since apparently I've made a list of six players, even though I said it was two, uh, area to Tanagar. Hello. She, uh, was never one going into the year last year and didn't win, which was a bit of a surprise yeah. for everyone. She's incredibly talented, uh, 10 time winner. And she had, she had this streak where she knocked on the door, uh, six straight tournaments. She finished second at Thornberry, tie for third at the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational, fifth at the Evian Championship, tie for 11th at the AIG Women's British Open last year, fifth at the Aberdeen Asset Management Lady Scottish Open, and ninth in Canada at the CP Women's Open. And it just kept knocking on the door, and the door decided we're not opening up this year. So again, another player where Hall of Fame might be on your mind, and she's still incredibly young at 24 years old. So it's just so much expectation on yourself. It's such a young age too. Yeah. And she's definitely like, we've seen in her career, you know, she's gone through a period of time early in her career where she missed 10 consecutive cuts. Then she gets her breakthrough win. And then she wins the next two tournaments after that. Literally like winning every tournament in the month of May in the year 2016, I believe it's like, like she arrived and, but then she has some stretches. She's had stretches since then where like, you know, it's, it's been tougher. Like golf's not easy. And the thing is, I think we all know that. Um, and it, it's tough to keep that, that positive mindset or just to play good golf all the time. But I think, I think this break has probably been really good for her, her and her sister, uh, Moria Jatanyagarn, you know, getting to be home in Thailand for, what was it? Four months, probably like they probably, I don't think they've been home that long, maybe since they were like, like young, young children, just because golf's taken them all over the world tournaments since the, since their early teens, like being home, being able to like reset mentally. I think that's helped several players, um, as far as that goes. And she's won one of these before under her belt. 2016, she took the Rico Women's British Open, opened up with a 65, third round 66, drove her to victory at 16 under par, and her last win was at the Lady Scottish Open last in 2018. Yeah, you know what? She She's a player that, I mean, <laughs> kind of famously at this point, uh, doesn't use driver often. I mean, she's got a, a lot of tournaments. She just never even puts it in the bag. And she used lots of three woods and lots of driving, like driving irons, two or three irons, which is really great in these kind of conditions. Controlled shots under the wind. And she's a, and she is a power player as well. So she, she's going to have an advantage, you know, should have an advantage on a lot of players in the field. I remember sitting in the media center, and it was like a breaking news story if Aria was going to put Driver in the bag. 
She finished 30th in driving distance last year with using a driver. I think it was just at the first round of the KPMG, and then she took it out of the back. At 266 yards. It, I, She would be up there past Van Dam, Fossey, Angel. You know, Ann Van Dam led the tour at 283 yards last year. That's that's a lot of distance she's staying away from with the three wood and you know, 260, 250 is kind of what you need to be in contention. So for her to have more accuracy with the three wood, there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I mean, two things. If you've been fortunate enough to uh, go to a be at a driving range when she does have the driver and she's hitting it, just you know to practice. Wow, <laughs> I have I've. <laughs> I did get to see it in Indianapolis a few years ago. It just, I don't know. It's a different, a different level that like she swings her swing speeds similar to Maria Fossey. Like, you know, just attacks the ball. Um, but yeah, with the three wood, like if you're putting the ball, you're driving your top 30 and driving distance. And when she's at her best, she has one of the best short games in the world too. So when you combine that, like you don't, the, the extra distance obviously would help, but it's not necessarily it's it's not necessary per se. Well, but I think we've touched on most of the storylines to look for this week. It's going to be a really exciting AIG Women's Open. Awesome to be able to go to Royal Troon. Should be a really exciting forty fourth running of this major. And what time is your alarm set for for watching this week? You know what? Whatever that that first, whenever that first tee time is set, um, be somewhere around there, somewhere around there, maybe early in the morning. Check the scores, get some sleep, and then uh, catch it when it, uh, watch it when it gets on Golf Channel. You know, I don't know if I should even set an alarm. Maybe I should just stay up late. It starts at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Take like a power nap. <laughs> on the West you know that Coast. that that might be the move. It, it's just it, one week, you know. They'll be back in the U.S. starting ne- uh, next week, so. Yeah, we're we're heading back to uh, good old Arkansas. But Ben, we'll we'll reconvene at the end of the tournament. We'll see how our however many players we talked about did, and we'll go over the highlights <laughs> from the tournament. <laughs> no pressure on us. No, we only took like ten percent of the field, you know. Yeah, if we're 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 just increasing our odds. That's all we're doing. But in all honesty, look, last week there was four players that ended up in a playoff. Several more players ended up just a shot back. So like with this style of golf, it could be it could really could be that many players like coming down the stretch. So yeah, we shall, we shall see. And one of those players, Cheyenne Knight, was on your podcast pitching with Ben. Definitely worth a listen. Talking about her love of Lynx golf. So also worth watching her as she aims for her second career victory. And that's going to be it for the first episode of the Ninth Tee Podcast. Thanks for teeing up with us this week. We hope you stick around and tee back up again at the end of this tournament when we do a recap podcast at the conclusion of the EIG Women's Open. <laughs>